my name is Eric, and I welcome you to our Black Gay Diaspora podcast, where we, as LGBTQ plus citizens, come together to inspire and educate each other on who we are and our respective countries and professions. Through topics and guest interviews, our Black Gay Diaspora podcast celebrates individuals making a difference. Loving who we love is not a choice. Being who we're meant to be can be. We are here. You are welcome. We are community. Hello, and welcome to another great episode of our Black Gay Diaspora podcast. I have to say I look forward to today's conversation with Uche Chukwu, the founder and host of Let's Talk About Us with Uche podcast and YouTube channel. Originally from Nigeria, Uche is an American independent podcaster, YouTuber, and public speaker. With a background in health professions, Uche is a United States Army veteran who's traveled to over 40 countries, and I'm curious about that. And speaking with him before today's talk and viewing some of his YouTube content, I would say that Uche is a passionate person who is committed to elevating the depictions of Black citizens. And now, without further ado, let me welcome Uche. Hey, and welcome. Thank you so much, Eric. That was a very <laughs> big introduction for a simple guy like me. <laughs> simple is grand, I always say, <laughs> and simple in a good way. But how are you? I am good. It's been a very busy weekend, as you know. We've talked before where I work literally every day, and I have my whiteboard over there studying for my midterms tomorrow. So been busy. Midterms for, for what? I'm getting a master's in philosophy right now. So one of my classes is in metaphysics. And I have a midterm tomorrow that I'm going to be presenting in class about reality and God. Okay, well, that's even more But thank you for taking time out for this, a master's. All those words, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's an honor to be here. Seriously, like I wouldn't miss this for anything. So I'm truly grateful that you actually are hosting me to be on your platform. So thank you. You're welcome. Before recording, I'll just say to everyone, I was having microphone envy because Uche's microphone (laughs) Ah, uh, it just looks so nice. <laughs> from one YouTuber, from one podcaster to another, it's like, tell me more. <laughs> hey, Best Buy, $120. I think they delivered to Sweden, maybe. You know, I'm sure you can get it on Amazon, too. Oh, okay. Well, I'm currently in England, but I'm definitely going to see what I can find that can match that. But anyway, where are you based? I am currently located in the Houston, Texas area. How long have you lived in Houston? I moved to Houston officially, I believe, December 2017. I actually lived in the city for about two years. I had just left the army and I didn't have any type of permanence anywhere. It was either move back to California where was my first introduction to America or move out of a country. So I wanted to be as intentional as possible before I created a permanent somewhere. So I moved to San Antonio for one year. Mm-hmm. And then moved to Houston for two years. And then after that, decided I love it here. And I decided to buy a house. So I've been here since 2017, December. I've heard that a lot of people are moving to Houston, even some known public figures. I think Texas is one of the most moved in states in America right now. A lot of people move from the West Coast, California, Arizona, and also New York here because our real estate is extremely attractive. Dude, when I discovered Texas, I'm like, yeah, I am never going back to L.A. So you were in L.A.? 
I'm originally from Phoenix, but I was lived in LA for a long time. Oh, okay. So you know how expensive things can get. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So been here ever since and this is home. Do I hear a little bit of your Texas? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I got all kinds of accents. <laughs> I got Nigerian accent, Igbo accent, American accent, maybe British accent, something. I don't know. <laughs> when we first connected a few weeks ago, your voice in particular, I'm like, wow, you just really have a great speaking voice. So it's perfect for, I think, what you're doing now. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm blessed. <laughs> You're the second person I actually have interviewed from Houston. So it's interesting to hear more about the city. Okay. Yeah, so we're actually recording on a Sunday, but how was your weekend review? My week or weekend? I'll say weekend. Let's keep it short. Busy. You know, I recorded two episodes, one on Friday night and one yesterday. They're going to be published in the next two weeks. I am the host of Let's Talk About Us with Uche podcast on YouTube. So if you're interested in anything spiritual, spirituality, and also I talk about LGBTQ, specifically Black, but also even more so specifically African diaspora, LGBTQ for education and empowerment. So if you're interested, please hit me up. So yes, I'm looking forward to publishing those in the next two weeks. And that's what I've been working on in conjunction to studying for my uh, midterm tomorrow. Got a little bit on your plate. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> you are originally from Nigeria. When did you move to the U.S.? I was born in Nigeria in a city called Aba in the southeastern part of Nigeria, predominantly Igbo. I moved to America at exactly 15 years old. That was in 2007. Okay. I've lived half of my life in America and half of my life in Nigeria. What was life like in Abba? Ooh. <laughs> Abba is different. It's the hood. <laughs> what do you mean? When people talk about Nigeria, you know, like a lot of time when you meet someone from Nigeria, they always have ties to the most affluent parts of Nigeria, like Lagos and Abuja, which are the bougier parts of Nigeria. They're created to emulate the West, the New Yorks, the London, and things like that. A lot of people who are not familiar with Nigeria are most familiar with these two parts of the country. So a lot of times when they visit Nigeria, they are exposed to that. Aba is completely different. Aba is where you get the raw African vibe. Mm. Not everyone is poor. I'm not trying to look down on my own people, but you see the extreme disparity between the high income, the middle income. You see the real grind and hustle of the African people. I see. We see the potholes and the crimes and things like that. So that was basically a lot of what my child was exposed to. So did you move with your family to the U.S.? It's a little complicated. When people ask me that, I would say yes, because it's just easier. I consider myself a visa child. So my father, at a really young age, got the opportunity to go to the West for education. And eventually, he had the opportunity to move to America. And before moving to America, he went back to Nigeria. I think he was about between the age of 22 and 24. He came from a really poor family. I actually have memories of the thatch house and the mud house that he lived in. And he's the only son of his mother out of multiple wives. To basically share the exciting news that his move into America finally, which is a big deal in Nigeria, especially more so back then. Mm -hmm. 
And because he's young and the only son moving to a brand new country, it was almost law that he got married. Using my discernment, understanding what happened, I don't think my father was in the right space to get married at the point because he's very young. Mm -hmm. But being the fact that it's a very traditional thing to not say no to your elders, he was conveniently looking for a pretty face to marry. So my mother happened to be the conveniently available, easily available pretty face to marry without really getting to know each other. They got married and they had me. She got her visa to come to America with me. The way it was explained to me is that it was suspected that my mother only married my father because she wanted to come to America as an opportunity to escape her life in Nigeria. And if she came to America with the baby, me, she would leave my father after she got her papers and my father will be stuck, childless and marriageless, if that makes sense. So as a result of insurance that she would not leave my father, I had to stay behind. Now, you know, in African households, sons are very important. If she remembers that she has her first son back home, she's more likely to, quote unquote, act right. So she left me behind between the age of four to six months in Nigeria and moved to America. They had four girls, my sisters in California. And then when I was 15 years old, she eventually filed for me and I got my green card and I moved to America. Okay. If I just understand correctly, when you say pretty face, is you mean like her looks? My mother is a very attractive woman. In a patriarchy situation or society like Nigeria, a lot of times the man kind of point and choose, this is what I want, this is what I don't want. So he was obviously looking for a pretty woman, light-skinned, fair, you know, things like that. And my mother was also looking for a man who can give her uh, an opportunity to leave her miserable situation from home as well. So it's sort of like a win-win. They used each other. So what was your impression of the U.S. when you first saw it? Honestly, I didn't really have a whole lot of culture shock per se, because growing up, I had cousins and aunties who lived in America and they used to visit back and forth. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of exposure to American lifestyle at a really young age. And then also when I was about 10 years old, my sisters came back to Nigeria. Between the age of 10 to age of 15, I actually lived with four American citizens who brought their culture back to Nigeria. So with the accents, the food and all of that, I secondhandedly absorbed all of that. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to America, a lot of things weren't as foreign. You were kind of like their Nigerian ambassadors and they were your American ambassadors. I never thought about it like that, but yes, it actually worked both ways because I kind of helped ease them into the Nigerian lifestyle because I was already there and they kind of helped ease me into the American lifestyle because they were already here. You're a good example of the importance with your platform of being candid about who you are in a way that is honest, but respectful to your history and also respectful to other people's history. When did the idea first form to start talking about your life publicly? A lot of this ties into spirituality. The way I'd like to describe my life is that I have a divine manifestation, but not just me, all of us, we do. And at some point in my life, it became too obvious that God has put me in this world for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to describe it is I am sitting, I have a pen and I have a paper and I have the thoughts. The easiest thing to do is to grab the pen and write my thoughts on a paper. It would actually be much easier for me to do that as opposed to me to just sit down and not do anything at all. So 
like I said, in summary, it was too obvious that this is what I was meant to do. When I look at my relationship or lack of with my parents, where I was born, how I was raised, the boarding school I went to in Nigeria, joining the military, it felt like the universe has entrusted this journey on me, knowing that Uche will tap into it. Mm -hmm. The way I also describe everything that I'm going through right now, it's as though I am walking through a neighborhood that I know that I've never walked through before, but yet somehow it feels familiar. So it's sort of like destined, if that makes sense. So I decided to just, hey, take a leap of faith and here I am. I think that takes a lot of courage. I really do. This is my perception just based on my life journey up to this point, that a lot of us don't allow ourselves to lean into that. I know for me, it took me a long time to do that because I thought it was me living above my station or being arrogant or thinking that I wasn't worthy of that. So to hear someone like you who leaned into that and accepted that at a young age, I think that's inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I also think this is one of the reasons why I do it, because a lot of people wait till too late. So I work in cancer research. When I first started working there, it felt right. But I also felt like this is not where I'm meant to be long term. But this is where you need to be right now. Mm -hmm. Working in cancer research, I'm starting to see a greater sense and purpose for me because I got to see death in the face. I work with a lot of patients who are literally dying. Mm -hmm. There's something different walking around with ego, but then compare with when the doctor looks you in the eyes and tells you that you have three months to live. All of a sudden it dawns on you like, yo, this is it. I haven't lived. I've been breathing, but I haven't lived. So that has been a huge inspiration for me to like, yo, Uche, you don't have to wait till your deathbed to live. Live right now. Now is all you have. Now is literally all you will ever have. Now is all there has ever been or will ever be. That's it. I have made it intentional to be a catalyst to let people to live right now. Because mm -hmm. what we have is vices and distractions. Those are all intentional. I don't even want to get down to why it's intentional because that's a huge rabbit hole. But like it or not, on your deathbed, if you have the opportunity to look back into your life, you will realize that I should have done that then as opposed to now. So that's why I'm not just preaching, but I'm also taking it upon myself to live by example, by living right now. I felt that. It's powerful. There's so much positivity in that. You can't live while you're breathing. Yeah. So your YouTube channel is Let's Talk About Us. How did you decide on that name? My ex and I, I actually had him help me pick, but I know that I wanted to have something that spoke for itself. But I also wanted something that included myself as well, because we're all in this together. And truly, what are we doing? Mm. We're the problem. So let's talk about us. Because the only devil that exists is the one that we give power to. So let's talk. Not just talk. Let's talk honestly and vulnerably. Put away whatever it is that society has taught you that a real man is or the real N-word is and all this nonsense. Just put that away. It hasn't worked for us. Look around. It's not working. So let's talk about us. After we admit what we're doing wrong, then we can begin taking responsibility to rectify what's missing. Until then, nothing's going to change. So when you mean us, is that first Black people? 
So us, I wanted it to be all of humanity as humans because we're all connected together. But of course, if you watch what I do, I focus a lot on Black, African, and queer people. And the reason why I focus on this subgroup is obviously I'm part of that community, but also because there's not a whole lot of light shined on that community, especially the queer African diaspora population. It is complete silence. So that's why I take it upon myself to shine light on that. My focus is spirituality, which is the oneness of all. We are literally the exact same spirit, mm -hmm. but manifesting imperfectly in different forms. And the best way that we can live harmoniously is by embodying our true, most authentic selves at all times. Be your most authentic self at all times, and you win by default. I didn't expect to be in class <laughs> in a good way. I'm getting some knowledge, that's for sure. <laughs> Anyone listening, this is why you should subscribe. YouTube and podcast, let's talk about us with UJ. Most definitely. <laughs> Your co-host is a non-Black straight man. How is it collaborating with him? Jacob is an awesome person, phenomenal human being that I bumped into on meetup.com and has been wonderful. I think Jacob has definitely been a, not catalyst per se, but sort of like a positive reinforcement in my journey mm -hmm. as I have been to him as well. He's very open-minded, just as I am open-minded. I have benefited from my relationship with him. Two humans coexisting together. Irrespective of sexuality, nationality, and race. One of the things I do like about what I've seen, first of all, your topics are current. Things that you share about are current. They're universal. But I like that you don't shy away from things that need to be talked about. How do you go about choosing your topics? This is something that I kind of struggled with before I started, but something inside of me is say, you would know. So there are certain things I don't talk about because my spirit is not telling me to, mm -hmm. but when it hits me, I record right away. I know it doesn't make any sense to the average person listening to what I'm saying right now, but I just get that inclination like, Uche, do your thing. Yeah. I think I get what you're saying is that if you haven't processed it, if you are not in a place to receive any type of negative feedback that may come back, it's not a good idea to share about it. Yes. For example, the whole takeoff situation, had it been any other rapper, probably I would have just moved on. But because takeoff is one of those people who is very different, everyone knew him as someone who's their dots high, their calm. That was my point, my invitation to pull out what I call the mirror to show the world the fact that people are surprised. I am truly surprised that people are surprised. Okay. I always give like an esoteric vibe to it. Yeah. That was one of the videos that I did watch to the people that may not know takeoff as a rapper who was part of that group. The Migos. Yeah. Migos. And he got killed recently in Houston. For me, what I got from it when you were talking about it, that you're sharing about, like you said, it's a murder. That is a tragedy, but it's part of a bigger conversation, definitely around the world of hip hop and some of the things you talked about with how a lot of the content and the personas focus a lot on violence. Exactly. What has been the response to your video in talking about that? Um, a lot of people that I've talked to offline as well definitely do agree. I have this Black men group. They're based in Canada, Toronto, Canada. We talk about this back and forth and they all give me positive feedback and they do agree. Of course, 
this is just a subsect of the population who see the sense in what I'm saying. There's also, I'm sure, people who would probably disagree. It's definitely a conversation that does need to be talked about. And you've mentioned it a couple of times when you talked about this particular situation was that you're not disrespecting or downplaying the significance and the importance of hip hop. Just saying, you know, this is one of the things that causes this type of situation to happen. And we can't ignore it. Not to say other music genres or me, I'll say as a black gay man, it's not unique to hip hop, but they're definitely more public about forms of misogyny and homophobia and other types of violence. And these are all topics that need to be talked about. Do you think it's possible for the culture of hip hop to find ways to return to its beginnings with it being more about uplifting us collectively? <laughs> How do I answer this? The problem is not hip hop. The problem is something else. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for me to have a conversation without tying spirituality into it, because once you start seeing spirituality, you start to see things from a totally different perspective. I think the problem is we are dealing with powers and principalities in the world that manifest itself in different ways. And no matter how good a thing you try to bring into this world, it always seeks to corrupt. And no one is safe from this, myself included. You can see this in people like Kevin Samuels, people like Kanye West, and even some multi-million billion dollar pastors and so on and so forth, which I'm going to be talking about to address how this thing works. It seeks to sabotage everything good. Its point is to divide and conquer. The Bible calls it different names, devil, Lucifer, uh, the serpent's father of lies, whatever it is. I personally call it the ego. The ego is the ultimate destroyer. So rap on its own is a good thing. Hip hop is a good thing. And me, like I mentioned on that episode, especially as an immigrant black person from Africa, I must respect rap and hip hop because this is black American culture that these people, as in these people by the people who started that particular subsect of entertainment, they were able to create on their own in spite of the fact that they lived in a society that marginalized their ancestors and continued to marginalize them. They were able to make a name for themselves. This is an objectively positive thing. But unfortunately, that thing seeps in to corrupt and create further division. So as a result, rap has become synonymous to mess and malarkey that perpetuates that pain within the Black community, that the average non-Black person, when they think rap and hip-hop, they just roll their eyes, like that's how they are, and this and that. So it just creates that division, and you miss the bigger picture of the oneness of all. The rap is actually trying to unify and bring attention to what's happening to us. Like, yo, look at us. How about us? Remember us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I would guess you being from two different countries, the U.S. and Nigeria, but also traveling a lot, I know for myself, being outside of the U.S., I would say entertainment educates. I agree with you on that. Hip-hop, other types of art forms that are connected to Black people are all positive at their core. But I'll say in particular hip-hop, it does influence, unfortunately, in a negative way, how people perceive it. I have come across that myself, being outside of the U.S., either in people assuming that you know, if you are Black, you come from a certain type of environment. You will speak a certain way. On the surface, it's not bad, but when you dig beneath the layers, a lot of times it's connected to negativity. It should be education, but unfortunately, it's become indoctrination. 
<laughs> That's a t-shirt. This is entertainment, not just uh, hip hop and rap. You see this in pornography as well. I see this in Hollywood, you know, the movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. You're trying to associate this particular look with this outcome, you mm -hmm. know, so enough repetition, it will start to tattoo an image in your head. Now, when you say pornography, are you talking about like gay pornography or? Pornography in general, it doesn't matter gay or not. Even black people in gay or straight porn seem to play a specific role and once after repetition you start to get associated with that so even me as a black man traveling the world even in europe you have people who try to put you in that box whatever it is that they see in porn with a black man performing they expect that on me i'm like yeah no i'm not just a black man i am an individual yeah. occupying space and time i would agree with that <laughs> hey, amen <laughs> Another episode that for me really hit me on a personal level is the one titled Signs of a Narcissist Run. To me, it seemed like it was connected to when you were talking about your family with your parents in particular, which I can also relate to. What made you decide to talk about that topic in particular? Narcissism is a topic that literally every single human being has been affected by either because we are the narcissist or we have been burned by a narcissist. And again, this is the ego manifesting itself. If you read the Bible, if you are Christian, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says that Lucifer was sent down to heaven and woe to the people, the inhabitants of the earth, because the lucifer is here to rule basically so this ego manifests itself in so many different ways and narcissism manifests in different ways depending on gender and depending on culture so as a nigerian i've definitely been a victim of this narcissistic spirit and also as an american i've also been a victim of it as a man and so on and so forth and like i also mentioned everyone according to a lot of psychologists everyone is on a spectrum of narcissism the way I understand this is this is a survival instinct, if that makes sense. It's a spectrum of selfishness. Mm. You have to catch yourself before you catch somebody else. But when you are on the extreme end of the spectrum, that's when you become legally and medically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, which is a mental health problem. And I like to look at it from a more spiritual aspect. So, yes, coming from my family, broken family dynamics, I was burned from my parents basically what it was is that they failed to heal from their own pain that they got from their own family and they passed down to us and also when i was going through my own course as a human being i started to perpetuate that pain so you start to see how it is a generational thing mm -hmm. it's very serpentine like it weaves its way through generations but i am blessed enough to catch it like hey you know what we can't do this so I started being as intentional as possible to be aware, self-aware, and study, educate my mind so I can catch it before it consumes me and then bring awareness to a lot more people who are enslaved in this spirit to be able to take charge of their lives and live life abundantly, as Jesus said. Sounds like for yourself in this process, it's a lot of peeling of the layers, which I know in my own experience doesn't mean it's comfortable, but once you get to the other side, there is a lot of healing. I always tell people your incentive to do better is because the alternative is worse. Because if you don't do anything, you still stay in the mess. Very true. Your October 2nd episode of this year, you feature another Nigerian American. And he talked about his own experiences of being Nigerian. 
being American and also being gay. But for yourself, when did you first discover your same-sex attractions? I don't know how to honestly answer that. I think a lot of gay men and women and bisexuals seem to always have a story of when they discover, when they realize. For me, it's always been like that all of my life. And I actually want to argue it's always been like that in the womb. You know, again, that's spirituality speaking. But I've always had that affinity towards masculinity. Okay, as far as being attracted to it? Yes. Okay. Were you aware at any point, especially in your formative years, of positive and negative opinions around homosexuality? Homosexuality, especially back then, now is different because the internet has definitely brought a whole lot of information but back then, without internet, homosexuality was just not spoken of. No one talked about it. Nigeria is a very proper and primed, everyone is religious, go to church type of situation. So anything that deviates from the norm of what religiosity brings to the table, that's not rewarded at all. So it was not a topic that anyone talked about. That's one. Secondly, as I mentioned in that episode with Jacob, where I was talking about my childhood in Nigeria. I feel like because, uh, one, my life in Nigeria was so short and it was just filled with so much pain, I didn't even have the opportunity to even explore homosexuality, what it meant to explore myself even. I was just dealing with a whole lot of depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, suicidal ideation. So I didn't even have the time to even know if that's even a thing or not. Mm -hmm. I just knew that there was a deep sense of, I think it's a spiritual attraction. It's not necessarily physical for me. But there's a deep sense of spiritual attraction to masculine energy. But I just didn't really know what that meant. You just shared about low self-esteem and things that were part of that time period. Thank you for that, because that reinforces the growth that you've gone through. Because just meeting you now and us conversing, I don't see that. It's a reminder that you never know a person's story until you talk to them. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah the importance of looking at self and saying, how can I evolve and be my best self or my better self today? From a historical standpoint, I've heard that before European colonialism, that it was different from what I understand in countries like Nigeria to being gay or being homosexual. Are you aware of any of that history? The negativity wasn't there on the same level that it became once, not so much the religions, but the people behind them. I haven't really explored that extensively, but there may be some truth to that. I've always said that I think the issue that a lot of people have with homosexuality, but this can be applied to literally anything else, but focus on homosexuality, is that people focus on it on just on a physical level. Yes. If you focus on it on a physical level, then it is appalling, disgusting, and so on and so forth. But then so is sex between a man and a woman. So is eating. What goes on in your guts is disgusting. But you don't think of it like that because you're wired to not even think of it like that. You know what I mean? When you take away the physicality, the physical element of it or aspect of it and focus on a spiritual element of it, you start to see how homosexuality or heterosexuality or bisexuality is all balanced in spirit, feminine and masculine energy. And I actually would argue confidently that before colonization, Africans were a lot more spiritual. Mm. Like when I do my research in African spirituality and actually African history, I can see elements of what the Bible spoke about being portrayed by the Africans themselves prior to colonization. So yes, when you have a group of people 
like the Africans, indigenous Africans, or even indigenous American people, like Native Americans who are very spiritually inclined, their behaviors will be a lot more different from what we have right now. And that would be reflected in sexuality, because I do believe that sexuality has a direct correlationship to spirituality. So yes, there's a possibility that is true. But again, like I said, I have not researched on that extensively, so I cannot necessarily say definitively what I feel about that. Years ago, I remember this is when I was just coming out and accepting that part of myself. And I heard this woman say that if you don't bring your spirituality into your sexuality, then it really has no meaning. Exactly. There's a difference between having sex and making love. Having sex is just a, just a connection between two people on a physical level. But making love, that is the union of the feminine and the masculine energy, irrespective of the physical genders. If not, the attraction wouldn't even exist. But that is a union of the feminine and the masculine energy together. And that is God, because God is feminine and masculine together. That is some next level stuff. <laughs> I think of yin and yang, or what I, I know of it. A friend and I recently were talking about that, like especially with men in general, regardless of your sexual orientation. Most of us are raised to look at sex more on a physical level. But, you know, being honest, I don't have to be in love, but there has to be a connection there. There has to be some type of connection, which seems like it goes to your point of spirituality. Yes. I was challenged years ago by a couple of popular shows that got big that had gay things because part of it was like, I don't want them to just focus on the sex. But another part was like, I don't know if all of us have sex like that. Like I make eye contact with you and then we go in a closet and have sex. It's like. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is one of the things that I say, I feel like I won a lottery by being Black, being African, and being queer. Mm -hmm. It feels right. Because of my gift of logic and reasoning, I'm able to see a whole lot of problems. I'm able to see a whole lot of problems within the LGBTQ community because I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm able to see a whole lot of problems within that Black community because I'm part of it. And I'm able to see a whole lot of problems within the African community because I'm also part of it. It would have been a lot more different if I wasn't part of these groups. Like if I was a straight man, it would be easier for me to be like, for those queer people, those gay people, ugh. Or if... If I was a white person, I'm black person, I wouldn't easily say that there's something inherently wrong with the black race. Matter of fact, one of my favorite books by Dambisa Moyo, an African lawyer, she lived here in the States. She said something along the line of there's a unanimous belief that there's something inherently wrong with the black race. And the problem with the black race is the black race themselves. This is true of how the word views the black race. So because... I am part of these groups, and I don't see that reflected in my own being as a human being. That makes me pause and think of it from a different perspective. The problem is not being gay. The problem is not being African. The problem is not being Black. It is something else. And because I'm so relentless in finding out what that is, I have taken it upon myself to study what that otherness is, mm -hmm. to start to unravel the picture. Like, okay, I see where we got ourselves messed up. And this is why I think this is a blessing that I'm a queer Black African man, because I feel like I would not be able to have figured this out if I had not been what I am. And that's why I feel like I just won a, a billion dollars. I like that perspective. And you can apply that logic to everything else. Like now, when I see things that the world tells me is right, and I'm like, hmm, is it really right? Or someone is trying to indoctrinate me into nonsense. 
or someone tells me something is wrong. I'm like, hmm, is it really wrong? And then because I believe in my ability to discern, I'm going to figure it out. I would determine if it's right or wrong through my own God-given intelligence, as opposed to me just conforming to the status quo. I, for myself, am very intentional about what I watch and what I listen to, because I believe that a lot of it, the content that we get is very intentional. Yes. Especially if there's anybody that looks like me. Yeah, it's a Black film, but why was this particular film put out? See, you get it. You start to realize, you start to unravel a lot of the upside down world that we live in. I heard a, a scholar, a Black scholar in the States say that like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. Especially with so much repetition, they're, they're very intentional to indoctrinate you from a cradle, from when you're a kid. For most people, if not everyone, your most vulnerable time is when you're a child. So that indoctrination begins as a child for most people through their parents, some people through other family members or adults in the area, or through social media or TV. It's that constant repetition to indoctrinate you into the ways of the world. Let that soak in. Since you've been in Houston and Texas, what has been your connection to the gay community there? None. Zero. Zero. Okay. <laughs> Uh, a truth and a lie at the same time. I don't have any sense of belonging in the LGBTQ community at all. <laughs> I'm just doing my own thing. It may come off as condescending, but it, trust me, it's not. I see a whole lot of the problems being perpetuated within the LGBTQ community. Of course, when you're younger, you want to go out and explore and, you know, things like that. And I did all that. But I got to a point of like, okay, yeah, no, this is not me. I'm going to just go do my own thing my own way. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to intentionally start a sense of community where people don't necessarily conform to the stereotype of what being queer is, especially younger gay people. The relationship is so vapid. The conversation is so frivolous. Of course, I'm just generalizing. This is not the way it is with literally everyone. But I see a whole lot of that, especially in the big cities. So as a result, over time, it just becomes so unattractive. And I've taken it upon myself to walk away from that to do my own thing. And I'm glad to now say that I have a few people here and there that I have a solid relationship with, or at least on that path of having a solid relationship with that don't necessarily conform to that. And that comes from a place of being honest taking responsibility to be different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So yes, there is a collective sense of gay community in Houston, but then that's also in every big city. But I wouldn't say I am part of it per se. I am part of my own community doing my own thing. I relate to that for myself. When I came out, I have to dress this way. I have to act this way. I could tell emotionally and spiritually, like more spiritual, like that you emphasize that, that something wasn't right. I'm like, okay, I'm out, but why do I still feel awful? And then I finally had to say, this is some people, I don't judge them or I work towards not judging them, but I need to find out what works for me <laughs> and what's organic for me. And a lot of it is not what is pushed out and, and made popular within the community. When you sit in silence and focus within you, you vibrate different and the universe warps itself to accommodate you in the highest vibration that you can get as a human being. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> so when you are not educating the world, what do you do for yourself to relax? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like traveling. I like watching movies, reading. I have books that I like to binge read here and there, writing. I also enjoy photography as well. I went through a whole phase of photography, um, taking pictures, body art. I'm gradually getting back into that now, but that's really it. In the intro, I mentioned that you've been to over 40 countries. Is that connected to your time in the military or just your love of travel? Yeah, this is independent of the military. It's just something that I've always wanted to do all of my life. One of those philosophers said, the world is like a book and people who don't travel only read one page. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that has always happened in my head ever since I was a child. I feel like death is the tick-tock, tick-tock. And there's so much about the world that I don't know and I don't like not knowing. And I just want to just absorb as much information as possible. And I just want to meet people that look different from me, talk different from me. Doesn't matter. I just want to absorb literally all I can as much as possible before that TikTok runs out. And when people ask me, what is it that you enjoy the most about traveling? And tell me if you can get this, because, you know, sometimes when people miss it. Let's say I'm going to Colombia. I've never been to Colombia before. I always tell people there's someone in Colombia that I'm destined to meet that I've never met before. Mm. I don't know what this person looks like. Don't know if it's a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I'm destined to meet that person. And that person could be pivotal in my life as Uche. I am excited to meet that person. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. But the trick, though, is that you have to be intentional. As long as you walk out your door to the airport, pay attention. Because if you blink, you miss it. The universe is the best teacher. I agree. It could be a waiter. It could be the person at the door. It could be the person sitting next to you on the plane. It could be anyone, the person who's pissing you off. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention. I know people travel for vacation, but for me, that's limiting because usually I'm surrounded by a bunch of people, mostly culturally, that we share that. And so I'm like, I'm not really learning anything. I'm kind of in a hurry. Like, I remember the first time I left the U.S., my last year of high school, and went on a trip to London. And they took us straight to, at the time, the Hard Rock Cafe. And I got pissed. I was like, <laughs> I spent all this money to fly across here to spend a bunch of time with a bunch of Americans. What was the point? Exactly. When I travel, the touristy place, I don't find them very attractive. One, I don't even like crowds. Just a thing since I was a child. So going to those touristy places is just not very attractive to me. But I will go there to take pictures to capture memories. Yeah. But my favorite times about traveling is just mingling with the locals, like, you know, away from the Americans. Very far away. <laughs> <laughs> One of the girls on that trip, we went to the same school and we feigned jet lag. When everybody would leave, we would get up. We'd start taking the tube, the subway. That made the trip for me. Yeah, I wanted to see the castle, but I don't want to spend three hours there. <laughs> As soon as I hear an American accent, okay, I'm out. Run. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you were in Nigeria? Uh, I have only been back once that actually counts. That was in 2017, after 10 years of leaving. I was there for about three weeks. The second trip and the last one, I don't think it counts because it was just like a two-day layover on my way to South Africa. I was just in Lagos, so I don't really count it as a trip. 
Wow, I feel like I could just stay on this conversation forever. But you <laughs> I told know, you I'm a conversation. No, I like it. I like it, but I don't want to take up more of your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share or any insights that you have? I speak from my soul and that's why I have my platform. So you know, anyone who's listening, this is their kind of stuff. If you enjoy everything that's flowing from my soul and that's touching your soul, you know, follow me on my YouTube and my podcast. Let's talk about us with Uche. When it comes natural, it flows from me into the world. Be your most authentic self. This is my goal, my ultimate goal in life, to preach the oneness of all. We're all the same, but we manifest perfectly and necessarily. When you try to conform to something that you're not, you fail. The way I try to describe God is God is mathematics. Mathematics is consistent. It's infinite. Once we align to that pattern, life becomes abundant. Mm -hmm. Embody who you are, especially if you believe in God. His divine power is giving you everything you need. Look within and everything else will be added unto you. Your energy is so soothing and calm. So I say for someone like me, it comes in and I have to let it marinate. Marinate. That's it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you mentioned your YouTube channels and your podcast, but where else can we find you online? I am on TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at LTAU with Uche. So LTAU is Let's Talk with Uche. Okay. Let's Talk About Us with Uche. I am also on Instagram at UC underscore images. And I am currently in a school that is building a website. So hopefully the website will be up in the next two months and it will have all of my stuff on there. Your map, you can see this on the YouTube channel. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for giving me the opportunity to come on your platform. I really do appreciate it. Like, I'm not just saying that just for the podcast. I felt your energy from the beginning. I love being able to connect with people who speak my language. We have a common interest. I don't know if you're Christian or not, but this is basically what Jesus said. Go ye into the word and preach the gospel. This is basically what it is. You know, wake people up for the great harvest, the new earth. And I always love the opportunity to mingle with people like you. So thank you so much. I would not have missed this for anything. Uh. <laughs> My midterm, that could wait. <laughs> now I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for spending time with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Share with your friends, too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Our Black Gay Diaspora and on Twitter at BLK Gay Diaspora. Until next time.